Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Born to Talk radio show podcast on this beautiful first day in July. And my guest today is also beautiful. Her name is Christine Shoemaker, and I want to welcome you to the show, Christine. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Thank you, Marcia. My pleasure. And we can't proceed without me giving a shout out. And sometimes I just have to do that because there are people that make things happen. And in the case of your cousin and one of my longstanding friends from the seventh grade, I would like to shout out to Leah McKinney Buckley for introducing us. She said, oh, my gosh, you are going to want to meet my cousin. She is really interesting, and I couldn't agree more. And our show focus is about art and what it means to you on a personal and a professional level. So please, maybe you could just tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself. Oh, sure. And I just love that story. I love, I love Leah and Betsy and, you know, they're a great part of my family. So I thank them also. Um, I am an artist and I live at the Brewery Arts Complex near downtown LA in Lincoln Heights. Um, A lot of people aren't familiar with it. Every time I'll mention it, somebody will say, oh, the brewery, I've never heard of it. It's um, been here since 1980 and it used to be the Pabst Beer Brewery and before that the Eastside Beer Brewery. And in 1980, a family bought it and converted, into, converted it into artists' live workspaces. And so um, twice a year, we have open studios where artists open up their like lofts in their studios. And the public, normally there's 10 to 15,000 people walk through and, you know, kind of see the creativity that takes place here. And it could be anything from painting and sculpture to architecture, jewelry, fashion, it's like the sky is the limit. It's a really fantastic place. Guy, you know what makes me – that is so cool. Is it called the Art Walk? Is that what that is, the, the Brewery Art Walk? Yeah, the that's Brewery called? Art Walk. Not, right. um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Not to be confused with the downtown L.A. Art Walk. They're two different things right. that a lot of people get two mixed different up. Things. The reason that I asked, is I mean I really got excited because as as we have talked because we have spoke with each other prior to the show, my brother was an art teacher and he was inspired to become an art teacher when he was in high school at Westchester High, which is where Liz and Betsy went to high school. I went to high school, and he was an art teacher at our local middle school, and I think that would be such a fun thing for us to do. And I think is it does it come up this fall? Is that when they're going to be doing that? We we can yeah our next that one can, is it in October yeah <laughs> yeah October twenty sixth and twenty seventh that's what I thought so I think that would be super cool and for any of you visiting Los Angeles 
you might want to put that on your list. So did you did you grow up here in Los Angeles, or did you grow up in another city or country? A country. Uh, it's a state. <laughs> Um, actually, I was born in Texas. My, I know. Um, my dad was in the Air Force, and he was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base. Although my mom and my dad actually both grew up in this in Southern California, Inglewood and La Habra, um, but my dad was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base, and so we lived in the Antelope Valley. Um, I lived there most of my life until I think I was. Wait, how old am I now? 46? <laughs> so I have to, like, do Don't the math. Um, <laughs> 10, or, 10 or 12 years ago, I moved to Northridge, where I was going to school. and um, But until then, I grew up in the desert, in the high desert up there. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. So you, did, you went to Cal State Northridge for, for college? Yeah, yeah. I started with my um, art history degree. I have my bachelor's in art history, and then I um, was working towards my master's in art history, and I switched to studio art so I could focus on my own work. But the education I received allowed me to be able to teach art history, and I've taught at Pasadena City College and also Antelope Valley College. And um, I, like, love having that breadth of you know, an art career. When I was first starting in Lancaster at the junior college there, and when I got into art, I knew I didn't want to be a starving artist. And so I wanted to learn as much as I could about art history. And, and of course, taking all of those classes um, has helped me be the artist I am today also, because a lot of the art that we do looks back to history. So it's definitely, you know, helped me move forward with my own career in that way. Oh, that's great. Uh, so, what was so you you mentioned that you you, you were an instructor. Uh, is there sort of a road that that took you to where you are today? Is there a, a path that that we would want to know about what you've done? Yeah. Um, gosh, let's see. When, actually, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an architect. I took drafting and I took architecture and. Um, I, I was all about like planning homes and my grandparents were actually in construction and so, um, and real estate. And when I would visit them in San Diego, I would always take their graph paper and draw plans of houses. And so I was really interested in that. And then um, when I graduated high school and I had to take trig in college, I was like, nope. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I realized how much I hated math. <laughs> so oh, um so I kind of <laughs> I know. I kind of floundered. I was working full time also. I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. Um so I worked full time and I took, you know, classes here and there at the junior college in Lancaster. And then um my aunt and uncle collect art and I had remembered for a long time looking at like my um, grandparents' coffee table books of like Norman Rockwell and, you know, Maxfield Parish and, you know, loving the stories that were being told through art. And my aunt and uncle had taken me to a, um, an art gallery, Sarah Vane Gallery in uh, Brea. And I, it may have been the first gallery I had ever been to. And I loved it. And I used to love going and seeing their art collection on the wall and, so I one day I was visiting them and I just decided I'm like I want to take art classes. So that's when I took my first art history class and and the teacher was amazing. She was inspiring and you know really got me wanting to study art. And so the next semester I took a painting class 
And, um, and that was it. Like my painting instructor, Cynthia Minette, she took us to see Yayoi Kusama, um, who was at LACMA at the time. I think this was in 98. And then also Sam Francis, who had a show at MOCA. And like both of those artists, like I didn't really, I knew Sam Francis inspired me, but I didn't realize how much Yayoi Kusama inspired me until the last few years, actually. And so I started, like, I went home and just, like, started pouring paint and dripping paint and, like, using a blow dryer to spread the paint around. And I just, I was doing, like, 20 paintings within a week. It was just crazy. I took, like, these 20 paintings into class where other students had, like, one or two. And <laughs> I started taking all the advanced classes. And the really cool thing is my instructor actually lives at the brewery. And she told us about the art walk at the time. And so I came and, you know, to one of the art walks and fell in love and I didn't think I could ever live here. And so um, when I graduated from college at CSUN, I was looking on Craigslist and somebody was looking for a roommate. And so that's how I got in. And then eventually I got my own place. So that's kind of a <laughs> the curvy road that took me here. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that, you know, I think of people that are artistic, I think that they all come to know about that about themselves. Some people are are are, are they paint, they draw. My brother is more into uh, what is he uh, structural kind of art. But when did you first realize that you were an artist? When did you say I'm more than a, an, an art history person? I'm an artist. When did you realize that about yourself? Well, it's funny. Um, I mean, as a kid, I used to, you know, color on the walls. And even in like elementary school, I would draw because my dad was in the airport. So I draw airplanes or I draw race cars because he was a race car driver. And so and this was kind of extra extracurricular. It wasn't necessarily for an art class that I took. And I don't remember thinking I was an artist at the time. Although um, like one piece of art that I look back on and think that was so ahead of its time, I was um, whenever we'd like go somewhere and I'd sit in the back of my dad's truck, I would like, I'd drink a bottle of Pepsi and I was probably seven, eight or nine years old or something. And at the time they had the bottles of Pepsi that had the foam labels on them. And so whenever I was done drinking the Pepsi, I would peel off the labels and they'd come off kind of like an orange in a curly cue. And I would stick the, um, the label, the curls in the bottle and I called it pop art. And you know, so I was creating art. You know, I don't even remember how I knew what pop art was, but I knew. And so it's funny because I'm kind of going to recreate that now. Um, but I didn't actually, like, consciously um, realize it until um, – I think probably my instructors until like my first art history instructor or Cynthia, when I, you know, started paint or actually I take that back. Um, consciously my in therapy. <laughs> um, in, yeah. When I was so kind, I mean, I know we'll get into this, you know, in a little bit, but I have an eating mm -hmm. disorder. And so I started in therapy about, um, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when I had a panic attack. 
And through the therapist, I would talk about, you know, well, you know, I'd like to maybe dress like an artist or look like an artist. And she's like, well, don't you want to be an artist? Aren't you an artist? And it's funny, until that time, even though I had been doing art for 10 years before that, I hadn't really said the words that I was an artist until then. So I think that is like officially, you know, even like 10 years ago. And I hear this story from so many artists that I work with that say the same thing. It's, I don't know if it's an insecurity thing or what it is, but I mean, that's the honest answer. <laughs> well, you will, and that's what I want. And you know, I can, and I, I relate to what you're saying because when people are viewing art, they're really viewing you too. I mean, they're yes. viewing what you yeah. think about art, what what you've painted, what you've sculpted, you know, whatever you've put in that bottle of pop that became pop art. It just cracks me up. Um, exactly. It has, a, it has a connection to you. That is just so funny. But I know that you, you, you got. You mentioned that you got a master's um, degree, and I'd like to hear about your uh, thesis because I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I went to Cal State Northridge, and I, um, my, well, I got into the painting program using my paintings, but also I was in this. Um, virtual world called Second Life. And Second Life, it's kind of like a video game, even though we don't call it a video game. It's If you think of like The Sims or World of Warcraft, um, where you you log in and you create an avatar or you create this virtual persona of yourself. And my aunt and uncle who had taken me to art galleries, they were like old school hippies. They introduced me to independent film and um, they had read about Second Life and Spin magazine, Spin the music magazine, and they found out that there were musicians that um, created avatars, logged into Second Life, and had concerts from their home studios. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so they told me they went in there, they listened to the concerts, and they met artists. They, like, created a virtual home. They met an artist um, who was going to do a mural in their virtual home. And this is an artist, you know, in real life. And so they told me that I needed to um, up take my paintings into Second Life, which I did. And, um, and from that, I created a name for myself. My avatar's name is Gracie Kendall. And I would, I sell, or I haven't done as much in it lately, but I used to sell virtual copies of my paintings. Um, uh, I'm, yeah, <laughs> sorry. That's, you know, um, for those yeah. of us that don't, let me, let, I, I apologize for interrupting, and, and I, it probably won't be the last oh, no, time. No, no, that's okay. Uh, I apologize. But when you say that people, bought your virtual paintings right under Gracie Kendall. Did that mean, because, I, I, you know, you don't know what you don't know, so excuse me if I sound a little ignorant, but does that mean they actually bought something or they bought it as a, as a part of this virtual world? They don't, do they actually physically get the product or is it part of the virtual world? Yeah. And, you know, Second Life can be hard to wrap your head around. It's, you know, especially in just a few minute time that we have on the radio. Right. Um, some people, you both, the, the short answer is both. Um, some people just buy digital images of my paintings that 
they put in their virtual homes. But I also did sell my real life paintings. So people would buy them from, um, you know, from seeing them within Second Life. And, you know, we'd end up talking in real life and I would ship them the actual painting. And so, That's cool. um, That's yeah, cool. so it's, it, and those people are still my friends, you know, especially on Facebook, we talk, you know, quite a bit. Um, but to kind of to get back to your answer of, you know, getting my thesis there, um, I talked to the professor at, in the painting department at CSUN, and she, um, you know, I showed her Second Life and I showed her my paintings, and she accepted me into the painting program based on Second Life. And so when I started the program, you know, we explored it much further and she started to ask me about my avatar and my avatar is this tall, thin, blonde, beautiful woman. You know, um, she dresses ways in ways that I can't because I'm curvy plus size. And, you know, so I would buy classy clothing for her and, you know, all sorts of, you know, glasses and jewelry and things that I don't wear. And she wanted me to explore that. And, you know, why? Why doesn't she look like me? You know, so I started journaling and, you know, I had like a sketchbook and um, and came up with the Gracie Kendall project, which I, I had read an um, article in about Stanford or about a um, experiment or a, a study that Stanford had done showing that if um, that they did a study that if your avatar like is on a treadmill that you will most likely want to get on a treadmill. So it talked about how, because of like the way video games, so many people are on video games, how your avatar, your online persona affects you in real life. So I wanted to kind of play with that and see if that would work positively, you know, even though their study was both positive and negative. And so I wanted to see if my avatar, Gracie, would affect me in real life. And so I did a project. I took a picture of her and a picture of myself every day for, it was 159 days, um, doing the same things. We would work out, you know, I'd go to the gym or exercise outside, and I'd have her go to the gym within the virtual world and go to art openings. And so I took that to my professor, and she saw this conversation forming between us. And so I started creating comics, you know, with like thought bubbles about the whole thing. And um, it just went into this whole like exploration. And I re that's when I realized that I had an eating disorder and, um, and yeah, it just kind of went from there. And my work from then on has been all about body image and all about exploring my own identity and my own struggles and things like that. This is so fabulous. So there was truly an influence about Gracie and you. I, that, for those of us that are not in your world, I, I wish you could see the expression on my face because my mouth is sort of gaping open and I'm being silent, which for people that know me is a rarity. And this is just <laughs> absolutely, absolutely fascinating. I, 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 I'm a story collector. Clearly, besides being artistic, you are truly a storyteller as well. We could probably do an entire show about avatars. That's just phenomenal. Yeah. 
but I, but yeah. it's because it's because it's not the only thing we're going to talk about because you are a whole bunch more. I thought if if we were to talk about your artistic practice, and I think that's so interesting since the word practice has come very significantly to me right now, Christine, because I've I've mentioned a few weeks in a row now that I've begun yoga, and yeah. you don't just say you're doing yoga, but you're practicing yoga like you practice the piano. So I'm wondering, you asked me to ask you about this, and I you mentioned that we're going to talk about your artistic practice. So what exactly is that for you? What does that mean to you? You know, a couple things. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting because uh, some of my friends are like, don't call it practice. Because, like, when you say artistic practice, that's your career. And, you know, when you say practicing something, that means you're not a professional at it yet or something like that. So, like, you know, when mm-hmm. you think about it critically, there's that interesting way of putting it. And even yoga practice, you know, when you when you have done yoga for a long time, you're, you know, you become a professional at it. It's not, you're not practicing it anymore. So, I mean, that's just kind of a side note about it. <laughs> but, right, um, right. Yeah, but um, I I actually consider myself a cultural producer, and um, that came from um, a, an amazing artist and pro- art professional, Sharon Loudon, who wrote a book, Creating and uh, Living and Sustaining a Creative Life. And she talks about that artists are not just painters anymore, or they're not just photographers, or, you know, they're they don't just do one thing. They, you know, a lot of artists curate and a lot of artists, you know, run galleries or, you know, run, run art businesses. And so, you know, I took that kind of as my own title because I love that. I'm, I'm definitely a cultural producer and second life really influenced that. I, in second life, not only was I doing art and using second life for my art, but I was curating events and I, I was the chairperson for a muscular dystrophy organization fundraiser that we did within Second Life where we raised real money. And so I took all of that experience into real life and, you know, became this producer of culture that I do today. Um, So, you know, as a cultural producer, I'm an artist where I create work um, based, you know, or surrounding body image. Um, That's my main focus. And, you know, whether it's photographs of myself in front of like glass or, or squeezed up against glass or um, painting mannequins or um, I, you know, there's so many different things that I do, um, but I'm also a painter. You know, I still paint, you know, abstract work like I used to 20 years ago um, because, you know, you have to change. It's, you know, it's hard, especially when I deal with work about body image and, you know, it's very emotional. It's, it's very psychological. I'm in a lot more therapy now because of my current project that I know we'll talk about, but um so I need something to get out of that. So then I do collage or I do painting or, you know, things like that. But everything else I do, you know, art and cake and shoebox PR and curating shows and things are also a part of my art practice. So I think that's also a longer version of that story. <laughs> well, but it's, but it's, but it's, it's a, you know, really, that's what this show is truly all about. It really is about you and your passions and what leads you down your pathway. And I know that you're more than an artist because you just mentioned a little bit, you run 
an artist management company. You publish an art magazine. You, are, um, you run an alternative art space and nonprofit. You sit on a couple of nonprofit boards, which, frankly, I went and visited. One of them is called Artists Thrive, and I will be linking that in my follow-up blog about our show today so that if people want to check out Artists, Artists Thrive, they can. And you're a curator. And I just, I mean, you are, you are really um, a full-encompassed artisan. And I love the way you, you consider yourself as a cultural producer. I think that's really, really great. And you're also brave. And I don't thank you. And, and thank we'll you. talk about the bravery. You are very brave, and 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 a bravery that not everybody could do. And and we'll talk about that as well. But I, let's just talk a little bit because I want to make sure we have ample time to talk about all of this. Um, sure. We've had a lot of different types of art: impressionism. Um, expressionism, isms, 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 right? Surrealism, modernism, <laughs> postmodernism, blah, 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 blah. Is there, based on what you've experienced, is there a movement in art right now? Is there, a, is there a new movement or has something changed in that world? You know, that's a really good question. Um, there, some people will say we're in post-postmodernism. Some people will say we're in critical modernism. There was a book that came out recently um, focusing on architecture, and it was it's about critical modernism. So I think we're we're in this place right now. I mean, we're in. It's not a movement, but our society is so plural that we're taking everything from the past, and you know, which was part of postmodernism, and you know, um, and using it, it's, it's really hard to say. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm always really curious of what the historians are going to say about the time that we're living in now. Um, you know, a lot of artists are doing work based on politics or based on, you know, race or um, feminism or, you know, and it's so, yeah, it's, it, I I couldn't say what the movement is, but um, but I will be curious, you know, to see what the historians it, it really, think for sure. It, and and it's 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 got to be connected to all of the digital stuff that's happening today, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, artists are exploring and expanding the possibilities. You know, Second Life and you know, using virtual worlds or AR and VR, and um, there's a lot going on in digital art. And there's a gallery here in Chinatown, Art and Old Faction, which deals with smell. And so it's, you know, artists are definitely experimenting. Did, did you say dealing with smell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. That's fascinating. That's 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 really interesting. I, I you know it's so. I mean, I guess the sky is the limit, and where art is headed today is that what you would say that that it's just it's it could be anything, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's always a contentious question as far as what is art, and there's so many art world bubbles. I hate to say layers because I don't want to place a hierarchy, you know, on the art world because there is one, but I like to look at bubbles. You know, there are 
um, conceptual artists who are doing things, you know, surrounding the idea or there's, you know, um, uh, I don't want to say like Sunday painters or traditional artists who are, you know, painting flowers and vases and, you know, who do it for their therapy or their peace of mind. There's, you know, artists who are plein air artists who are doing amazing things, you know, painting outside. Um, there's abstract artists. There's, there's artists that are looking for museum shows versus artists that are working with the community and social practice. So it's like there are so many different bubbles and it's, you know, in the art world, um, you know, a lot of people see like the art fairs, like the 1% of the art world versus, you know, the um, kind of the traditional artists. And there's so much in between. It's, you know, I have so many art friends and it's amazing to see the gamut of what artists are doing and how they're doing it and why they're doing it. And really that's the important thing is why. That's what I always ask myself, why and so what? You know, that was the main question in school, even, you know, in art history. So what? You know, and then you have to keep asking yourself and think critically. Um, my eating disorder therapist had said, think, um, be curious, not critical. And I think about that in art all the time, too. And, you know, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's about experimentation. I mean, there's just, you know, like you said, the sky's the limit. I can tell you, for me personally, if you said, okay, you could only really view one type of art, I would be able to answer that question in a nanosecond. I <laughs> love street art. I love oh, what nice. people are doing all around the world on walls and on buildings yeah. and where they incorporate the window or the air conditioner or the sidewalk or whatever. I follow some of the most remarkable people on Facebook that do that. And myself, when I travel, and I've been a lot of places around this world, or right up, honestly, for us locals, right up Lincoln Boulevard, going to Santa Monica, I will stop, yeah. I will pull over, and I will take pictures of what people have painted on buildings because – Maybe some people would find that sort of graffiti like I personally don't. I love how people can do that. I, I just, for me personally, I just love that. And you certainly can't put that in a museum. That's to be shared for whomever is driving by. So I just, it I is. wanted to share that with you. <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. really pretty darn cool. Um, okay, so let's let's talk, let's. Let's talk about, because we, we've been alluding to it, and I, I really want to spend the time that, it, that well, I want to give to you about this, because you've mentioned your eating disorder. Uh, you've mentioned you're a curvy woman. You've mentioned that you have a project. And I mentioned yeah. that I thought you were very brave. And I thought we could spend some time really talking about your current project, which is called Perceive Me. And you, you're curating this, and I know that it's called 47, 45, 54. So I'd like to give you this opportunity to really share with our audience, what is this all about, Alfie? Sure. Um, actually, 47, 45, 54 is a different show that I'm going to curate. Oh, <laughs> um, let's come back to that. It came then. out let's... of Perceive Me. Yeah. Okay, let's start it with came out of like then, all right. 
okay. I just can't sure. do one thing at a time. <laughs> you know? I, can, like, I'll right? start doing one thing and then something else pops up. And the idea for 47, 45, 54 came up from Perceive Me. But um, Got it. Perceive Me kind of started, um, an, I've had a couple of artists over the last couple of years who invited me to be part of projects that they were doing. Um, one artist, J. Michael Walker, um, is doing a project called Bodies Mapping Time. And he has shot, I think he's up to 82 or 88 women now of all different body shapes, sizes, colors, disabilities. Um, and they're all gorgeous. They all look like Renaissance paintings. They're um, just, they're wonderful. And it took me probably two or three years to finally be able to do it. And I shouldn't say be able to do it. It just was the timing, you know, and it just, you know, I, part of it also was my insecurity. Um, so I guess, yeah, being able to do it is a good way to put it. But um, so finally I met with him and he took, you know, a beautiful photo. Um, he took a couple different photos of me and, um, and I, you know, I was still insecure and I look at the photos and this, you know, has kind of gone on through the whole project, but I look at the photos and I see the beautiful photo, the art photo. And then I see me who is overweight, who's curvy, who's, and actually I'm trying not to use the term overweight either, because that's also like, if you think critically about it, that's also has negative connotations on your weight. But, um, but, you know, I saw this heavy woman and I didn't feel good. So then um, I think it was a few months later, another artist had, um, Amanda Mears had asked me to be part of her project. She wanted to draw me. And so I went to her studio and we had three different sessions where I stood and she drew it's like a five foot drawing. And we just had great conversations about body image, about, you know, all of it. And, I really started to think about the idea that, you know, this could be something, you know, me inviting artists to, to collaborate with me and to paint, draw, photograph, and sculpt me as a plus size woman. And part of the reason I started thinking about it is because oftentimes we take our self-worth or our validation from what we imagine others think of us or other how others perceive us even though it's probably unfounded um, but we like get these ideas in our head that oh they don't like me because I'm overweight or because I'm unattractive or you know because I have short hair or and you know we it's I've talked to many people that they're like yeah oh my god yes you know that is true and so I wanted to kind of take that and say okay I want to see what I look like through other people's eyes, through other artists' eyes. And so I started out and I invited a few artists to, um, to paint, draw, photograph, or sculpt me. And then um, after I started like sharing the work on Instagram and Facebook, and then other artists wanted to be part of the project, and it turned into 40 artists. And then right now it's 62 artists. <laughs> that um, have been that I've worked with 40 of them so far, but 62 are definitely going to do it. And um, from that, it turned into um, I'm going to do a catalog for an exhibition that's actually going to be at California State University, uh, Los Angeles in January of 2020. 
So it's become quite a project um, as far as like an art exhibition. And the a couple of interesting things about it is I'm the artist of the whole project, of the whole show. You can maybe call it my solo show, but um, but I'm also the curator and I'm the collaborator and I'm the artist muse. And it's something that I don't think has been done before. And I did some research and, you know, I'd love to know if it has, because I think it's such an interesting idea, but um, I, you know, it's, there's so many different levels to it as far as like body image and also community engagement and bringing people together and supporting artists. And so it encompasses, you know, it's part of like that cultural producer where it's encompassing everything I do in the art world. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> let me, let me, I, I need a, I need a definition of a word because I'm, since I'm not sure. in the art world, I don't really know the answer to this. So, I yeah. understand what collaborating means, but can you tell me what what does curator mean? What 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 does a curator do? What what does that mean? Yeah, um, and I mean it's come to represent many things in the art, especially if you're in the art world. But a curator is somebody who has an idea for an exhibition and implements it. They invite the artist to show. They either find a space or they already have a space. And it's their idea. It's their, so they organize the show um, both stylistically, artistically, conceptually. Um, but yeah, they are, you know, they're much more than the organizer, but that's a really good way, you know, of saying it. They organize the whole exhibition. Okay. I, yeah, you know, I, I, that's good to know because I, I really, I didn't really know that. So that, that, that's really, that's really useful to know. And just for those of you that are listening, um, all of these particular things that we're talking about, I'll be linking them in my my blog that follows up our show, where, where I'll also have the archived link of this show. So if people want to delve in a little bit deeper, they certainly will be able to do that. So if I understand what curating means then, so you started with this Perceive Me project, which you started how long ago did you begin that project? Um, I think it's been, let's see, I worked with Amanda um, over a year ago, even though there's a couple of artists like J. Michael Walker, who's going to be in the show, who did the work of me before the project, but his work definitely fits. And there's also another artist, Chris Levins Morrison, um, who also, I was part of her project in 2014, where she was photographing, you know, women, and she was doing like a photography project. And so she's, her work's actually going to be included. So um, officially, I think maybe a year and a half ago, but unofficially since 2014. But right. it's actually got me thinking that for the exhibition and also for the catalog, I think I'm going to, and this is part of curating. This is like deciding how the work is going to be displayed. But I've been thinking about displaying the work based on the date that the, like the photos were taken or the artwork was, you know, started because I think that'll show like a progression of my body, maybe of my state of mind. Um, it'll be really interesting to see. Very cathartic. I mean, very, very cathartic. <laughs> so out of that process, is that how 47, 45, 54 developed? 
Yeah. Um, so I found it. It's actually been really interesting because um, perceive me and, you know, I actually didn't even say this, but it's all me nude. So normally I say, you know, the project is, um, you know, I invite artists to paint, photograph, draw me nude. And I don't even think I said that. So just in case you people didn't. were wondering. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's the important part of it. Um, I'm a plus size woman. Yes, I weigh 250 pounds. I'm five foot three. And, you know, I, yeah, so they're painting, drawing me, photographing me, and sculpting me nude. Um, and actually, somebody's doing a 3D print of me, too, which is kind of cool. But um, so I've been thinking about, you know, it's been easy for me to take off my clothes, <laughs> which is really funny because you get me in front of karaoke and I'm very vulnerable <laughs> and that's where I'm afraid. But, um, <laughs> but I'm having an easier time taking off my clothes. But then I was noticing that, you know, I can stand in front of people nude, but the clothes that I'm wearing are baggy. And, you know, and this has been the way it's been for a long time. You know, I want to cover up my curves through my clothing, you know, whether it's like um, a dress or a, you know, or a bigger T-shirt or because I don't want to show my curves. And I see so many of the younger generation out there not afraid, and I think it's fantastic. But I'm, I'm like researching that and exploring that. So I thought it would be really interesting to take my measurements, which, you know, instead of 36, 24, 36, they're 47, 45, 54, and to give these measurements, and I have other measurements from my body, um, give these to artists to actually create fashion, to create clothing, fashion, costume using my measurements. And um, I'm still thinking about, like, the logistics of it, but that's kind of the beginning idea of it. So it kind of did start off with, you know, perceive me, and it's, you know, just another path that I'm taking, you know, as far as, like, body image and thinking about clothing and things like that. God, that's, that's really that's incredible, Christine. Leah, Thank Leah you. Did not Thank miss, you. Miss misguide me that that's really quite remarkable i'd like to talk a little bit if you don't mind in our remaining time together and i knew this would happen um about (laughs) about your businesses because really i could have we could have just gone on with the subject but i do want to talk about your magazine and i do want to talk about your pr firm and the questions are sort of similar that I'd like to ask you about both of them because I know you're the sure. publisher, I know you're the editor, I know you're the contributor to this online art magazine called Art and Cake. So, And also, congratulations, uh-huh. I believe your third anniversary is coming up. So how, how did that start? Did that come before? It PR? actually, yeah. No, okay. um, it actually came after. So Shoebox oh, okay. PR is my artist management company. Um, it's more of a support network for artists. Because I'm an artist, I started to see like and realize what was missing for artists. They need like more professional development. They need more resources and opportunities and tools to help them get through and navigate the art world that we're living in today, which includes social media, includes getting press, you know, th- includes getting into more shows and things like that. Um, you know, a lot of artists have just been stuck in the studio creating work, and then what? And so because I I worked in the medical field, which is something that I didn't mention, but I worked in the medical field for most of my life, um, I have an administrative background, and so I'm able to, like, use that experience 
for shoebox PR. So I started the company after I had an exhibition that I didn't do any PR for. And I like realized the mistake. It was a cutting edge exhibition using Second Life and I should have had press for it. I should have done more, you know, strategizing. And so afterwards I started to research and with a friend of mine and, you know, I realized, okay, this is what I needed to do. And so um, from that, it just kind of built up. I started my company and I started, it was word of mouth. I started getting clients like promoting their shows and, um, and then I expanded and realized, okay, artists need more than that. They need like guidance, like monthly or, you know, more than that. And so I like work with artists on retainer um, for like six month contracts to help them like move forward with their career. And I was realizing, um, you know, on top of that, that it's hard to get press. I mean, you know, it wasn't an easy realization, but it's, you know, there's so much competition out there for people trying to get press and, you know, depending on what the story is. And so because of my art history background and my degree in art history, I wanted to be part of the art history conversation. And so I decided to start Art and Kate. And on Tuesday the 9th is our three-year anniversary, which is really exciting. And then um, just just happened last night, um, one of my writers, who's a, a rock star art critic in L.A., she's the editor of the L.A. Weekly, she just won an award for um, at the um, L.A. Press uh, press club their 61st annual and of course I don't have it in front of me but um, journalism awards she won second place for an article that she wrote for art and cake so that was like I woke up and I saw that on my phone and I'm like yes <laughs> it was like That's exciting it's, it's, yeah it's such a thrill like knowing that you know I mean she could have written it for anybody because she's just that amazing and fabulous and but, you know, that she wrote it for me and that I started Art and Cake and gave her the platform to be able to write it. And um, it was just like, you know, I, it gave me tears this morning just realizing, you know, that that happened. And so it's, you know, I know we hear all the time that people really value Art and Cake and what we do with it. And it's just like, you know, something else that I do to support artists and you know support the art world and you know i love it it's part of my art practice like i said i would just like to tell people if you're interested in learning more about this the beauty of internet right because you don't have to live here to be part of this um yeah i'm going to give a couple of websites out there but i will also make sure that i post that as well as well so let's start with the shoe box which is it's basically shoe box PR.com uh-huh. and your yeah. art and cake is art and cake LA.com. And I'm going to spell yeah. your name for our listeners because I so apologize in my first blog misspelling your name. So let's me get it straight <laughs> now vocally, and I will also include it in my blog. But to find Christine on the internet, you would find her at Christine, and that's spelled with a K. K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, and her last name is spelled S-C-H-O-M-A-K-E-R dot net. And between those three locations, and your websites are quite remarkable, people can can check you out. They can check you out on Instagram. They can check you out on Facebook. So you are very um, um, 
uh, open and and people can um, truly um, learn a lot about you. What was occurring to me while you were speaking about the magazine and your PR firm, what filled into my mind was where you live. So if if I'm not mistaken, everyone that lives where you live has some connection to the art world. Am I right about that or am I wrong about that? Yeah, in one way or another. Um, you in know, like I said, way. there's fashion designers and jewelers and things like that. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But I guess all of those things could translate into a form of art. You mentioned before um, how maybe somebody wants to just take a paintbrush and go to Cambria and set up an easel and start painting the scape. I, and, and that they find that <sighs> relaxing, you know. Yeah, and we, yeah. you and I both lead very a life that requires a lot of juggling. I didn't receive the skills of being an art an artist the way I would put quotes around that word. My father was artistic, my brother is obviously artistic, but I I didn't realize how much I love photography. And I I guess I never really thought of that as meaning that well then that is some form of being an artist myself. Because I'm, I am captivated by the color or the shape. I'm not, a, I'm not really interested in taking pictures of people. I was just mesmerized by this gigantic hawk that was in my backyard today on the telephone pole and the crow that was taking up his space, and the two of them were not happy with one another. And I should have been getting my trash cans out, but instead I'm running for my camera and zooming in <laughs> as best I can because I wanted to, so to speak, capture that moment. And that calms me down. So I think that yeah. however you do your art, whether, you know, you think about that movie Ghost, right, where he's sitting at, he's sitting at that wheel, that, that wheel, and he's, and, he's, and he's got the clay going, and, it, and it just, just pulls you in while he's, while he's spinning that clay. Art is is so so interesting whether you are yourself an artist or you mentioned LACMA, which is our, our LA County Museum of Art. Um, um, there are museums all over the world that have. Tr- we but we are very blessed to have some wonderful um, art museums um, right here in the Los Angeles vicinity in Malibu, and and everybody doesn't like the same kind of art. So you might want to like slide through some areas and and then say, gee, I, I'm really feeling this painting, or or I realize now I really like black and white, or whatever that might be, uh, the Huntington. I mean, I'm just thinking of all these different places where you can experience art. And um, are, do you collect art yourself? Are you an art collector? Would you consider yourself an art collector? Oh, absolutely. I probably actually have about 300 pieces of art. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big art collector. My walls what are like salon style covered in art. Um, I, you know, it's a wide variety, but the big thing is I collect art that I love that, you know, attracts that I'm attracted to. I have some artists collect or some uh, collectors, you know, collect art for investment. But for me, it's all about, you know, art that I just see and I have to have you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, my pocketbook doesn't like that, but (laughs) um, I'm also very lucky to know a lot of artists and to be able to trade art. And I buy art on payment plans. 
you know, so whether it's a gallery, I mean, this is like, you know, we're always trying to cultivate collectors at the Brewery Art Walk, but people, you can make, you know, put art on layaway and make payment plans. And, you know, if you buy direct from the artists, especially at the open studios, you know, you're supporting the arts, which is important. And, you know, don't forget to stop in the art galleries, which are also supporting the arts and the artists. And, um, but yeah, it's, I, my walls are covered in art and Mm -hmm. I, I love being immersed in it, just the creativity and the thought behind it and the concept and the beauty, you know, or the, the stories or, you know, whatever it is, it's, you know, a lot of, and it's not, yeah, it's not even just about the colors. It's about the artists themselves. I am buying work because I may know the artist or because I know the artist's story, You know, I have a piece I'm looking at right now that um, I bought from the Good Luck Gallery, which they work with um, outsider artists or, you know, a lot of like disabled artists or artists who, um, you know, don't have education or, you know, it's um, and, you know, I love that, you know, to be able to support in that way also. So, yeah, I'm definitely a collector. (laughs) And, you know, I'm sure that 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 this has sort of come out in just without saying the, the reality of this, um, art is very therapeutic, isn't it? Uh, it is it's a very yeah. therapeutic well. practice, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes and no. Like I said, because of my project Perceive Me, I'm in much more therapy now, <laughs> and that's art. That's, so I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. <laughs> is that the good news, bad news? <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome. exactly. That's, that's interesting. When you when you think about what how you conduct your art life and and your daily routine, because you are truly so immersed. Uh, how do how do you how do you do it? How do you work? How do you put your routine together? Do you or do you have a routine? How do you do that? <laughs> You know, that's a really good question. I've been thinking about this a lot because I kind of do. I mean, I stay pretty organized. I have spreadsheets and I have notepads with to-do lists on them. And, you know, every morning I do my Facebook posts and my art and cake posts and check my email. And then we schedule studio visits. And I try to set aside one day that is me time, but that doesn't always work. Every week on Mm -hmm. Wednesday, I have an X on my calendar. I have a handwritten calendar still. And I put an X. So that way I try not to schedule anything on that day. And um, because I go to openings on the weekend, so I'm working on the weekends too. But um, I've been thinking a lot lately about structure and how much I'd like to structure my life. And then just this morning, as I was working on something, I'm like, you know, why should I stress about it? Why not just continue doing what I'm doing and own it? (laughs) You know, it's like, it's sometimes we get so Um, wrapped up in trying to fix things and it's like maybe it doesn't need to be fixed maybe we just own the way things are and you know just as long as we don't you know make mistakes or I mean well we all make mistakes we're human but as long as we don't make major mistakes or you know let balls fall or things like that but sometimes we just have to own who we are and you know and be okay with that you know, it's it's really interesting because we do follow each other on Facebook, and frankly, <clears throat> the way I I encourage people to know about my shows, even if I do make a typo, sorry, is through Facebook. <laughs> but one of the things that I do, one of the things that I do every single day, is I post what I call the word of the day, and today's yeah. uh, word was my 937th word, 
and I don't know if you had because you because you are busy. I don't know if you had an opportunity to see it, but no. I chose that word sort of with you and I in mind, and the word today was acceptance. And oh my gosh, that's something I I know. I you know, and it's really interesting because these words will just bubble up, and then I will do my little Google research and see who's maybe written a quote about that particular word. And they can be everybody yeah. from Mother Teresa to Gandhi to unknown and whoever. And uh, I, oh, Albert Einstein, oh, my God, I can't believe how often I've quoted that guy. But acceptance is not easy. And maybe we could no. even call that a form of practice. And I try to, for myself, accept what is. Because that's what my husband would have said. If, if bless his heart, if he was still here, he would just say yeah. it is what it is, which is a form yep. of acceptance. Because you know he didn't plan on dying, but he did. I had a choice. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. all these, these forms of denials and and all these different things of grief. But one of the one of the one of the words in that denial grief process is acceptance, and it's whether yeah. it's the shape of your body, or how many people you're managing or whether you really are going to go to Costco or you really should get that email out. You know, if we were just, if we were as kind to ourselves as we are to others, even strangers, imagine how we would live differently if we live a life of gratitude and kindness. And including in that is the acceptance of who we are is who we are. So, I would just be really curious to ask you this because it's a question I often like to ask my guests as we wrap up a show, and that is, what advice would you give your younger self knowing what you know today? You know, I mean, and jumping off of exactly what we've been talking about, I think about this a lot. My assistant um, said this, um, you be you. You know, I mean, I know it's kind of, common right now but just the idea that we have to be ourselves we have to you know don't change to be somebody else um you know it doesn't matter if you make mistakes you know you be you you know be your authentic self you know the way you are and i definitely i needed to learn that when i was younger (laughs) you know what's so good about that advice is that if you do you be you? I could see that as a whole exhibition, frankly. I just wrote that yeah, down and yeah. the letter of the, the letter Y. The letter Y yeah. and the way I wrote it almost looks like a happy face could be written inside that letter. It's it's really interesting. But when you just you being you, what I find easy about recognizing that is that then you are exactly what you said. You are authentic. You're not sitting in somebody else's box of what they think you should be. You are who you are. And once you use that word acceptance and you say that you be you, I mean, it's pretty easy to know who you are. I mean, some people struggle to get there. I'm not going to say it's that simple. Some people's journeys to know who they are and their purpose are different, right? I mean, there's no doubt about that. We We all take that journey in our own personal way. But you being exactly. you and understanding that that's good enough and that that's yep. okay and that once you accepted that about yourself and then you share that because sharing clearly 
is what you love doing. Obviously, whether you were the administrator in a hospital or you're helping young artists get started and you're living in such a creative environment, one of these days I'm going to grab Leah and Betsy and we're going to come down and visit you because I oh, think it must definitely. be just fascinating where you live and you live with such creative people, whether they are the jewelry maker or the dressmaker, whatever. You know, I just think yeah. it's really, really wonderful what you're doing. And I knew that this one hour show could have, we could have just taken one topic, Christine, and just <laughs> talked about one thing, but, but you're so much, there's so much to what you offer and, and how people can learn about what you do, regardless of where they live. And that's the beauty of a podcast, frankly, is that when you are just listening and you've subscribed to the Born to Talk radio show podcast on your phone, whether it's through, I, whether it's through Google Play or through, it's through iTunes, any of that, you know, it, you'll find that every week I have people sharing the passionless passions that they love that they're all about and it's just it is such as you get your pleasure from your art on Mondays I get my pleasure from my guests and their stories and I'm just so happy that that you took the time out because Wednesday's not your blackout day um spend <laughs> some time with me and I hope when Wednesday rolls around which is the day before 4th of July that um that you enjoy that day and perhaps you get a twofer. Maybe you're going to take Thursday off as well. But um, I've sure enjoyed getting to know you on this show today. Yes, me too. Me too. It's been lovely, you know, from, you know, we've been talking before this and, you know, getting to know you too. Thank you so much. It has really been a pleasure. And to all of you aspiring artists out there, you know, consider, consider this show as, maybe a springboard for what you enjoy doing. Maybe maybe you decide that you're going to do something like this in the city that you live in, and it's nowhere near Los Angeles. So I just think that that's the inspiration that you're leading all of us with by you being you. I think it's just a beautiful way for us to to sign off this show today and to wish everybody just a beautiful day. I, I, if I could do music, which I can't because, I don't have the musical rights. Um, I think about, um, uh, is it Sting? I think it, it's, it's you two that sings um, Beautiful Day. And that's how yeah. I feel about yeah. Mondays. It's a beautiful day. Um, and I also happen to think about Mr. Rogers, too, because I think he talks about having a beautiful day in your neighborhood. <laughs> but, you know, that's because my mind goes all over the place. I, I, I need to hone it in at, at times as well. So, anyway, I want to just thank you once again. Have a lovely afternoon. To all of you out there listening, thank you for your continued support. And I'll look forward to seeing you next. I don't see you, but that's how it feels when my guest <laughs> next week will be Katie Rampin. She's a woman that um, she's got an interesting story to tell as well, and I'll just leave it like that. She's a local friend, and I look forward to her sharing her stories. So until next time, everybody, thanks again, and have a great week. <laughs>